Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. So glad that you're here today. Um, lots happened since we got together last, hasn't it? Yeah, that's the understatement of the year, isn't it? Um, my name is Mike McGowan. I'm the senior pastor here at Parkway Fellowship, and I am so glad that you're here. I'm telling you, God has something incredible that he wants to talk to you about today. Um, as you can imagine, we actually had a completely different message planned for today, right? Uh, in fact, we actually had a totally different series planned for today. Just a little insider information. This whole series that we're in, Soul Momentum, where we've been talking about uh, what it takes to get our soul momentum back if maybe we feel stale or you know unexcited or uninspired about a relationship with God. This wasn't the actual series that we had planned for this time of the year. Back in May, when we were planning this, we had a completely different series planned. Now, I don't actually remember what it was, because after we prayed about it, we felt like God didn't want us to do that series at all. So we changed it. And then we prayed about that series, felt like God didn't want us to do that one either. And so then we prayed again, and that's how it became soul momentum. And who knew what was going to happen to us during this Soul Momentum series. But I'll tell you what, God did. God knew. And I'll tell you what, there is nothing like a natural disaster to get people to a place in their life where they are ready to seek God. God can use a natural disaster to propel our own soul momentum forward in an incredible way, whether it's for the first time in choosing to believe in Jesus, or if somebody has walked away from God and been away from him for a really long time and they're ready to come back, or maybe just to go deeper in their own personal relationship with God. But I'm telling you, God can use something like Hurricane Harvey to draw us closer to him. So this last week, uh, Wednesday morning, about just sometime after 4 a.m., um, the Lord woke me up and just began filling my mind with things that he wanted to say to us today on this Sunday. Um, and after kind of, you know, fighting with God, like, can we just do this another time sort of, you know, attitude. I finally, I got up and I was like, I got on my phone and I just started, you know, taking notes on my phone about what God was telling me and everything that he shared with me, I want to share with you here today. So before we get to all of that, let me say a couple of things. First off, to those of you that have been flooded, Let me just tell you, my heart breaks for you. Having done flood relief before, been out helping people with their situations now, I just can't tell you how sorry enough I am. I am so sorry that what's happened to you. And my heart breaks for you. I, I get it. I understand. And I, and I know right now you just might be paralyzed thinking, what do we do? Where do we go from here? How in the world are we ever going to recover from this? Look, I understand. And my heart breaks through. But let me tell you this. Your situation, in your situation, you're not alone, and it's not helpless. As a church, we will be there for you as much as you want us to be. We will help you. We'll help you clean up. We'll help you get back on your feet. And your situation is not hopeless because, because God is an all-powerful God, there is, I'm telling you, there is nothing that is beyond his power to fix or to remedy 
or to, or to make like new again. I'm telling you, so put your trust in him. Your situation is not without hope. <clears throat> For those of you that were spared, and especially if you've been out helping people who have been flooded, let me just say this, way to go. Way to go. I'm telling you, as I have seen pictures and posts come across social media, I've seen so many people from Parkway Fellowship just out helping people, anyone that they see. And I'll tell you what, I am so proud of you. I am so proud of you. I am so proud to be a part of this church. I'm so proud to be associated with a church where Christians act like how Christians are really supposed to act and helping people when they're in genuine need. So I'm so proud of you. Keep it up. Way to go. Great job. Amazing. Totally amazing. Last group of people I want to say something to is first responders. First responders, I just can't tell you thank you enough for what you've done. And so first responders, police, fire, sheriff. I even saw Border Patrol, National Guard, Coast Guard, doctors, nurses, people that work in hospitals, ER. In fact, let's just do this. If you're a first responder or a member of your family is a first responder, because first responders might not actually be here today. If you're a first responder or your family's a first responder, I want you to stand and we want to thank you for your sacrifice that you made. So if you or your family member are a first responder, stand up right now. Let's thank these people here, 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 here. Great. All around the room. Man, way to go. Awesome. I love it. Thank you guys for your sacrifices and what you do. Look, I, and I know that you get paid to do that. I get it. But I, I know many of you personally, and I know that a big part of the reason why you do what you do is because you want to glorify God and serve God with your life. And so I just can't tell you thank you enough for what you've done. So all of that brings us to today. How does God want me to respond to Hurricane Harvey? How does God want us to respond? Uh, and look, here's the thing. The things we're going to talk about today you don't even have to be a member of this church to be a part of. In fact, I'll say this. You don't even have to be a believer in God or in Christ to be a part of what we're going to talk about today. Now, my hope is that through it all that you will. But even if you have doubts or even if you're just a little bit suspicious, please just come be a part of what God is doing here. You're welcome. We, we're happy for you to be a part. And through it all, hopefully God will speak to you and reveal more of himself to you. So go ahead and put your message notes. Let's ask the question, how does God want me to respond to Hurricane Harvey? Multiple ways, and here's the first one. The first way that we respond is this. I need to run to God. Don't rage against God. I need to run to God. Don't rage against God. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're upset. Maybe you're mad at God about what's happened. I, I get that. I, I mean, I promise you, I really do. And eventually, everybody gets to the place where they ask the same question. Everybody at some point asks, why? Okay, God, why? Why did you allow this to happen? Why did this happen? Why did this have to go down here in our area? Why did this happen, God? And with great certainty, I can tell you this. We're never going to know why. We're never going to know why. Now, there's going to be all kinds of people that are going to come out, and they're going to tell you that they know why, and they're going to, you know, some of them are going to be real religious people, and they're going to say, here's why this happened. I'm telling you what, they don't know. They don't know. We are never going to know this side of heaven why this happened. 
And look, here's the thing. Even if you did know, it wouldn't change anything, would it? It still happened. But here's the one thing that you can change. You can change how you respond. And you can respond to this whole thing one of two ways. Either you can run toward God and use this to find God for the first time, or, if, or to renew a commitment to God because maybe you've been away from him for a long time, or you can use it to lean harder into God than you've ever done before. Or you can shake your fist at God and be angry at him for what's happened. Those are the, really the two responses. But before you decide, I want you to see what the Bible says about how people respond to God when something like a natural disaster like this happens. I want you to look at a passage from the book of Revelation. Revelation is the last book in the Bible, and it describes what is going to happen at the end of time. And so at the end of time, there's going to be all sorts of plagues and natural disasters, earthquakes, floods, you know, whatever. There's going to be all kinds of stuff, and people are going to respond. And look what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 9, verse 20. The Bible says this, but the people who did not die in these plagues still refused to repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. Now, reading between the lines, it seems that at least part of the reason why God allowed plagues and stuff like that to happen was so that people could repent. Repent is just a Bible word. It means turn from the bad, turn from evil things and turn to God. So it seems like part of the reason why God allowed those things to happen so people would turn to him. But get this, instead of turning to God, these people decided to shake their fist at God and be angry at him. Now, if you just read this one little verse, I mean, doesn't that seem like a silly response? I mean, if God has been trying to reach out to these people their whole lives. And then, as a last-ditch effort, God sends a natural disaster to hopefully get their attention, to get them to a place in life where they're desperate enough, where they would turn to Him. Doesn't it seem odd that they wouldn't? Doesn't it seem a little strange that instead that they would completely go the other route and just shake their fist at God? Doesn't it seem odd that if there's this God who can control the natural world and has control over plagues and natural disasters and earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes and flooding, all of that kind of thing, and then he sends those things so that we would hopefully get desperate enough to seek him, doesn't it seem a little ridiculous to instead go, I don't want to have anything to do with that. Instead, I'm just going to be angry. I mean, wouldn't a much better response be to say to God, okay, God, you are way more powerful than I ever thought or imagined. And I need you. I need you now more than I ever have in my entire life. I need you to provide for me. I need you to care for me. I need you to help me. I need you to love me and not just me, but I need you to do that for me and my whole family. So God, I am sorry for not turning to you before, but I'm turning to you now. Help me. I mean, doesn't that seem like a, a, a much better response? So for you, you have to decide how you're going to respond to God. 
Because look here, you can be angry at God your whole life if you want to. But in the end, you're just going to be a bitter and angry person. So let me tell you, please, implore you, please, run toward God. Don't rage at God. Run toward God. Run to him and say, God, I need you. I need you now more than I've ever needed you in my entire life. And if you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, you've never asked God to be a part of your life, you need to start there. Do that today. There's a, there's a prayer at the bottom of your message notes. If you've never prayed it before, pray it now and ask Jesus Christ to come into your life to save you and guide you from this point forward. And if you're already a Christ follower, but maybe you've turned away from him and been away from him for a while, Use this to come back. Use this to pray to God and say, God, I am so sorry that I have walked away from you and just gone my own way. But I tell you what, God, I'm turning back to you now. I'm back. And I'm back permanently. I need you now more than ever. I'm telling you, that's the kind of prayer that God answers. So if, if you need to, would you pray that today? That's the first way that we can respond to God. Here's the second way. Second way is this. I need to ask God for 50-20 vision. Ask God for 50-20 vision. Okay, you've heard of 20-20 vision, right? Well, this is 50-20 vision. Let me tell you where this comes from. This comes from the story of, in, in the Bible, of a guy named Joseph. Okay, now this is not Joseph like Joseph and Mary, Joseph, the earthly parents of Jesus. This is Joseph in the Old Testament. And let me just quickly tell you his story to kind of catch you up. Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brothers. And so he became a slave in Egypt. And while he was there, he was falsely accused of sleeping with his master's wife and thrown in prison. And he he rotted there for years. Finally, one of his fellow inmates was freed and he asked him, and Joseph asked the guy to speak to the king on his behalf. Get this, the guy forgot. He forgot. And so Joseph languished in prison another two years until a crazy set of circumstances that only God could orchestrate. Joseph was freed and became the second highest official in all the land of Egypt next to Pharaoh only. Incredible. Well, then a famine sweeps the Mediterranean world. Joseph's family of origin in Israel are starving to death. They travel down to Egypt to buy grain. <laughs> and they find out that their brother, whom they had presumed to be dead, is now in charge of disaster relief. And so they freak out because they think that Joseph is going to take revenge. But Joseph doesn't do that. In fact, look what Joseph says in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Look what he says to his brothers. He says, you intended to harm me. And I want you to underline this. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So like in looking back at his life and all the horrible things that he had been through, all the difficulty and all the challenge, everything that Joseph had been through, 
when Joseph looked back on it, he didn't look back on it with bitterness and anger. He looked back on it and said, God, what other people intended for harm, you used for good. Thank you, God. That's 50-20 vision. So if you will learn to see your life through the lens of Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, develop 50-20 kind of vision, you'll come to the place in your life where you'll be able to understand that God can use things for good, even something like Hurricane Harvey. It's true. And, and, and I know things seem horrible now, and especially if you've been flooded. Things seem overwhelming, and I, I, I know. I know. I understand. But if you will ask God to give you 50-20 vision, then five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, you'll be able to look back on this and say, God, what I thought was intended for my harm, you use for good. And how he'll do it, I don't know. It'll be different for everybody. But you'll, if you'll ask God for 50-20 vision, you will see in, in time that God can use it for good. So today, ask God for 50-20 vision. And that's not just for Hurricane Harvey. That's for any difficulty that you might face in life. All right? All right. Here's the third response. Third response is this. Be a good Samaritan. Just, just be a good Samaritan. Now, you've probably heard the term good Samaritan, but you may or may not know the details of the story of the good Samaritan. The good Samaritan is actually a parable that Jesus tells to illustrate who is my neighbor? In Luke chapter 10, verse, uh, beginning of verse 30, the Bible says this. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest, get this, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite. Now, a Levite was someone of priestly descent, so he would have been a very godly person as well. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan. Now, I want you to circle the word Samaritan, okay? In case you don't know, Samaritans and Jews hated each other. They hate each other. And get this, it was nothing, it was based on nothing more than race. That's it. It's just racism, pure and simple. Racism isn't anything new in our culture. It's been going on for thousands of years. And the point that Jesus is about to make is that racism has no place in this world. Racism is evil. Racism is morally wrong, it is indefensible, it is inexcusable, and it has no place in the life of anyone who calls himself a Christ follower, especially when it comes to meeting the needs of people that are desperate. It has no place in that. None at all. In fact, when it comes to disasters like this, something like racism seems really petty, doesn't it? Of course it does. Okay, I'm getting wound up. We got to go on. Okay, here we go. Let's go. <clears throat> but a Samaritan, as he traveled, 
came to where the man was, and he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to the inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Then Jesus says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, and I want you to underline this, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. So here's what I want you to see about the Good Samaritan, okay? The, the Good Samaritan, he saw a guy in need, and he went and he helped him. Look, it didn't matter what the guy needed. He was just in need, and the Good Samaritan helped him. But get this, the Good Samaritan didn't do what was expected. He did what was unexpected. The Good Samaritan didn't just bind up his wounds. The Good Samaritan put him on his own donkey, took him to an inn, made sure he got fed, made sure he had a place to stay, even told the innkeeper, hey, when I'm coming back through, you just cover whatever expenses and I'll take care of it when I get back. He did what was unexpected. I mean, that is incredible. And so Jesus says to you and to me, he says, go and do likewise. That's what he says. Jesus says, go and do likewise. So, what could that mean for us? Well, if you want to be a good Samaritan, there's several ways that you can be a good Samaritan during this whole Hurricane Harvey thing. And these are your bullet points, okay? Here's the first thing. Volunteer in the cleanup effort. Volunteer somewhere in the cleanup effort. <clears throat> now, we're going to give you ways that you can volunteer to help clean up people's homes that have been flooded. We're going to have teams of people that actually, even today, Two o'clock meeting here at this campus, then we're going to go out and also in Old Katy at two o'clock meeting at the restaurant um, Salt and Pepper on Avenue D at two o'clock, and then those teams are going to go out. If you volunteer today or any other day to do cleanup, few things that if you have them, you should bring with you. The first two are essential. If you have any kind of a mask, you need to bring a mask because I'm telling you, as mold and mildew grow, you're going to need one of these so that you don't get sick, Okay. Second thing you need is you need a good pair of gloves, okay? Not garden gloves, okay? You need a good pair of gloves because you do not want to get cut on a piece of glass or a nail or a screw or anything like that and then have that wound get infected. So get a, bring a good pair of gloves. Other things that you can bring with you, uh, bring a roll of, of really good garbage bags. I'm telling you, you cannot have enough of these at one of the cleanups, at a cleanup site. So bring a roll of garbage bags with you. Uh, bring some water. Bring a demo tool like this one. It really help with uh, pulling out sheetrock and nails and that sort of thing. Um, you should bring with you a broom if you have one, uh, a regular broom, or even a push broom is really good because these are super good for pushing out water and pushing out mud from a house. So you can bring a broom. The other thing that you could bring with you is a circular saw, just like this, okay? We have found that if we can cut sheetrock at a certain level, then it prevents mold and mildew from continuing to creep up the wall, and it allows those walls to dry out faster, and it makes replacing the electrical sockets that much easier, okay? Now, if you have a circular saw, there's something wrong with this one, so I would not want you to bring a saw like this. Do you know what it is? Can you tell? Yeah, it's the cord, because duh, they're not going to have electricity, 
right? Don't bring this one. If you have one that's battery operated, bring it, okay? That would be super duper helpful. But the last thing that I want you to bring to one of these sites is this. I want you to bring your smile. Bring your smile. Don't show up at one of these job sites and go, oh my goodness, what is that smell? Who would live here? Okay, like that's not helpful at all. So bring your smile. Because these people have been through a lot. And your smile can bring a ray of hope on a really dark time. So bring your smile. Okay. Next thing that you can bring is this. Or next thing you do is this to be a good Samaritan. Donate goods and or money. Donate goods and or money. Now look, here's what we don't need, okay? We don't need your old clothes, all right? Don't pull out that 20-year-old moo and bring it and go, oh, I'll give that to the poor flood victims. No! We don't want your old ratty stuff. Keep it. Burn it. I don't care, but don't donate it, all right? Now, here's what we do need. We do need new, and I'm emphasizing new underwear for men, women, and children, okay? Get this. Like new is not the same as new, all right? You can keep your like new underwear. We only want new underwear, all right? <laughs> We're also at the point where we would, uh, if you're looking for something to donate, we'd, we need cleaning supplies, bleach, um, Clorox stuff, any kind of disinfectant. All of those things would be really, really good. There's a list on our website of things that you can bring, and so you can go there and, and look at the full list. All right. The other thing you can do is you can donate money. I, I mean, people just need money. They need things that we can, they can go buy, and so we can help provide that. So if you want to donate money, that'd be great. And here's what I can guarantee you. 100%, 100% of the money that you donate will go to actually help flood and relief victims. The church, out of our normal operations, we are, going to co- we are covering all the administrative and operating costs. None of that's going to go to that. The church is going to cover that. So if you're a regular giver to the Parkway Fellowship, please don't take this out of your regular giving. We still need you to do that because we still have all the same stuff plus what we're covering. But if you want to just donate in addition to flood relief, you can do that on our website. You can do it from your phone. You can do it on the envelope that's in your worship guide. If you do it electronically, make sure that you check disaster relief. If you do it on the envelope, just write disaster relief on there somewhere because we didn't have time to get new envelopes printed. So you just write it on there. But 100% of that money will go to disaster relief and go to help victims. I can promise you, 100% guarantee you that. All right? Third bullet point is this. Third way you can, is this. Help whoever I see on the road. You can just help whoever you see on the road. Well, here's the deal. You don't have to be any part of an organized effort in order to help. I mean, the Good Samaritan wasn't. He was just walking by, and he saw someone in need. You know, that's one of the most encouraging things I've seen through all this, and I, I bet you have too. I've just seen people walking up and down streets helping people. I've seen people with their John boats going up and down streets helping people. You don't have to be a part of anything organized. Just get out there and help people do whatever it is that you can. That's what the Good Samaritan did. And that's what Jesus would want you to do. Just get out and help.
Okay? All right. Fourth response, and this is a big one. This is big. Fourth response is this. Become a long-term follower of Christ and not a 9-11 short-termer. Not a 9-11 short-termer. I, I made up that last word, so let me just kind of tell you where that comes from, all right? Um, the Sunday after 9-11, I was a young minister at the time, and I'm telling you, the Sunday after 9-11, it was packed, a lot like it is today. And remember, this is a holiday weekend. It was, it was, church was packed because people were seeking God. They wanted answers. They were looking to reconnect with God to find some sort of solace and explanation of what had happened in our world. But get this, two weeks later, two weeks, it, the crowds were back to normal. Like, none of those people stayed. They just left, and they, never, they didn't come back. And, and I've thought, why? God, God, why? Why? All these people were seeking you. Why did they stop? Like, what happened? And I never really understood it until a few years later, I came across a verse and God said, spiritually speaking, this is why. The verse is in Hosea, chapter 13, verse 6. Here's what the Bible says. And this is God talking. God says, when I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. Then they forgot me. See, when people are desperate, they cry out to God. And then when God steps in to help and, and their lives begin to return to normal, then they become satisfied. And then as they become satisfied, they don't need God as much anymore. And when they are satisfied, they don't need God as much anymore. In their pride, they forget God. Don't be that kind of person. Don't be the kind of person that just uses God whenever you're desperate and whenever you need him. Don't be like one of those people at 9-11 that really sought God and then two weeks later were gone. Be the kind of person that says, okay, God, I need you. I need you when I'm desperate and I need you when things are good. I need you because you're God. And I need your guidance and your love and your presence and your power in my life all the time. And so God, I'm committed to you for the long haul, not the short term. Would you be that kind of a person? Would you make that kind of a commitment to God? To, would you do that today? And in light of that, the next series that we're gonna do that starts next Sunday is a series on relationships. Because here's what we know. Hurricane Harvey is going to put stress on every relationship in your life. On family relationships, work relationships, school relationships, you know, dating relationships, whatever relationships you have, it's going to put stress on all those relationships. Because when people are stressed, when people are maxed, when people are under a lot of pressure, it affects relationships. And months and months and months and months and months ago, when we were praying about, God, what do you want us to teach on the calendar at this stage of the game? We felt like God was saying, hey, I want you to do a relationship, a series on relationship problems. And as we've gone back and we looked at it and we prayed about it, we still feel like, that, God, this is what you want us to do because people at this time are especially going to need that. And it starts next week. Now, in typical Parkway Fellowship fashion, 
We want to do it in a fun way. Because look, we all need to laugh, especially in times like this, right? So we are going to do uh, this relationship series, and we're going to couch the whole thing in a 90s sort of theme. And yes, we are going to use words by the great theologian Vanilla Ice as a launching point. So a couple of weeks ago, we showed you the first trailer, which you can still view online. But today, we want to show you the second trailer for this series. So let's go ahead and roll this. Hey, how's Abigail? Enjoy that cheer camp this week. Yeah, I decided it was, you know, best for her future. Yeah, so those reports you guys did are pretty inadequate. I'm going to need you to redo those for me. I'm going to need them by the end of the day. Can you believe this guy? Does he know how long those reports took us last week? It's a long time, not to mention that the reports themselves backed us up on all of our normal work. Like, I know I shouldn't say this, but the dude is a total jerk. I just want to like take his like little head and just like, just like, oh, gosh. You seem uh, pretty upset about this. Yes, aren't you? I also heard that his family life is awful. Like his wife and his kids, they don't respect him and they mock him. But Adam, now you're just kind of gossiping about him. Why are you so mad about this? It's a little hard to explain. I'd just rather not. It can't be that ridiculous. Can't be that hard. Okay, so last week, my wife and I, we were like at an atomic level when it came to fighting. We were throwing insults at each other. I mean, my wife, she even called me fat. What? You look great. She should be honored to be with you. Anybody would be honored to be a part of this. Then out of nowhere, this guy comes into our living room, okay? It was vanilla ice. And he gives us some amazing advice, hits the play button, does this dance number, and from that point forward, my wife and I have gone along great. Okay, so vanilla ice broke into your house and gave you a pep talk? Here's the deal, man. If you've got a problem, yo, he'll solve it. Give me your email and that DJ will revolve it. All right. I'll email him right now. Where do your mother? You've got mail. Oh man, isn't that gonna be good? <laughs> Yeah, so the whole series is called Stop, Collaborate, and Listen, which, by the way, is actually really good relationship advice, okay? So in your seat are two invite cards. I want you to take those, and I want you to take them to some people that don't go to church anywhere, or just people that you're meeting and, while you're out helping, and invite them to come. It is going to be great. So invite them to come next week. That's when it all kicks off, okay? I want everybody right now, bow your head, close your eyes. Let me pray for all of us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, really, I want to say thank you for this day and all that you've spoken to each one of us. And I ask in Jesus' name that you would help us to respond like you are leading us to respond. 
And Father, I want to pray for every single person that has been flooded out, Lord, that you would, you would draw especially close to them, that you would meet their needs, that you would walk with them, that you would use us as a church to walk with them through this process, and you would, as you clean up their house and put things back and you restore them, I ask that you would restore their lives as well, and you provide for them every need they have on every level. We love you, Father. And I ask that you would bring us back next week so that we can hear more of what you want to say to us. We all pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.